Hello, I'm Nicole Clark, speech-language pathologist and vice president of compliance education for Health for Heritage. You're listening to the Compliance Connection podcast, your connection to information and strategies that will help you, the clinician, keep up with industry guidelines and requirements. The word compliance often comes with some level of anxiety. We're here to ease that anxiety by providing you with information about all aspects of your clinical practice that will help you provide the best possible service to your patients. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to today's episode, the second of a two-part series that is focusing on documenting prior level of function and writing patient-centered goals. In this episode, Tara Schuth, DPT and Director of Operations in Iowa and Nebraska, is joined by special guests Anika Roderick, OT in Nebraska, and Tiffany Martin, PT in St. Louis. They're going to walk you through two real-life patient scenarios with patients who experience a fall and how they get buy-in from their patients by focusing on their specific needs to increase compliance with the plan of care and overall outcomes. As always, don't forget to head over to our Facebook page, Documentation Success, where you'll get access to our documentation tools for all settings and answers to your burning documentation questions. Don't forget to let us know what you'd like to hear more about on Health Pro Heritage's Compliance Connection. Okay, so welcome back, everybody. Um, this is part two of our prior level of function um, podcast, and um, I am being joined today um, with a couple special guests that I'll introduce here in a minute. Um, but first, of all, I just wanted to kind of provide an overview of um, our first podcast that um, Mr. Brandon Welsh and myself recorded, um, where we discussed what is prior level of a function, prior level of function, what is prior level of function not. And, and why does that relate to us as clinicians, um, as well as how do we obtain that information? So what we're going to do um, here today is talk through two patient case scenarios um, and speak to how that relates to how we practice and um, kind of more real life scenarios based on a couple patients. So um, first, I wanted to introduce um, Annika, if you can tell us a little bit about yourself Sure. Um, so I'm Annika. I'm an OT with Health Pro. I've been working here about a year and a half, and I cover Lincoln and rural Nebraska. Awesome. Thank you. And then we're also joined by Tiffany, if you want to introduce yourself. Hi, guys. I'm Tiffany. Um, I am a physical therapist in the St. Louis region, so I see a lot of patients in the city and the county of St. Louis. Awesome. And Tiffany has been with us for about a year. Is that right? Yep. About a year. Uh-huh. Awesome. Um, and then how far out are you guys from, from school? I know Annika, you're more of a recent new grad about two years mm-hmm. out. Yep. About two years. What um, about you, Tiffany? So I am about five years out of school. I worked in outpatient acute care and inpatient rehab prior to coming to home health. Awesome. And then Annika, you were in kind of an outpatient location before joining us in home health, right? Mm-hmm. That's correct. Okay. Awesome. So good variety and lots of skills and um, expertise that you guys bring in. So thank you so much for joining. Yeah. Um, so I'll give that patient case scenario and then we'll kind of talk through. So our first gentleman we'll speak about is Mr. Smith. He is a 70-year-old patient. He fell out of bed. Um, he fractured his left hip about three weeks ago. And then he went to the ER and then had um, ORIF or hip pinning later that day. So um, when we speak to Mr. Smith at our evaluation, he lets us know um, in his in his verbiage, he was independent with everything in the home. 
He drove his spouse to uh, appointments. He was taking care of her. He was um, walking independently in the home. He used a cane outside to help his son with farming. He lives on a big um, two-acre property. They have some cattle. Um, you know, he helps with harvest. And then he also was preparing the meals and doing laundry for his spouse. Um, when we see Mr. Smith, he can only walk about five feet right now with the walker and is having significant pain as well as um, substantial issues maintaining that 25% weight-bearing precaution that he's under. And he also notes he's been bathing from the sink, um, from a chair level, and that his spouse is attempting to help him uh, with getting dressed, but that's not going very well. So um, in your own words, Tiffany, what would you say is his prior level of function? So to me, when I see this patient... um... It just tells me that he is, he lives an active lifestyle. Um, he's independent with all of his ADLs, IDLs. Plus on top of that, he is assisting with the care of his spouse. So um, just talking with him and everything, I would gather, you know, what kind of assistive device do you use whenever you walk inside your home? And then on top of that, well, do you use a different assistive device when you go outside the home to care for your animals? Um, in his case, it looks like he's using a straight cane for indoor ambulation and outdoor ambulation. Um, so whenever I think of outdoor ambulation, I would think of walking on uneven surfaces. And to me, it sounds like he was independent walking on even and uneven surfaces. Um, in this case, it doesn't say anything about stairs, but I usually like to ask about stairs as well. Like, were you able to do a curb step whenever you were out in the community um, doing stairs in the home to the basement to get to laundry, stuff like that? Yes. And, and too, with that, I try to, I try to take notice as I'm entering a home of like how many steps are here. And then, you know, asking that, them that question when you leave for an appointment, how do you leave your home? Right. So, you know, cause some people do have a lot of stairs, but then they might go out the back door and there's no stairs. Yeah. Um, or like you said too, you know, where's the laundry room located? Are they going down a full flight of stairs to get there? And also, you know, where is the bedroom? Where is the bathroom? Are they having to, you know, do flights of stairs um, to get to those places, you know, prior compared to now to help us really shape that. Um, and then Annika, what would you, um, what would you indicate with the prior level or, or how would you, um, go about that with this patient? Sure. So I totally agree with Tiffany. It seems like he's a really active person. He was doing a lot, um, with my assessment, I like to go through the, um, ADL and self-care section and kind of ask questions that way. So it really parses out, you know, dressing, upper body dressing, lower body dressing, powering. And then all of the IADLs as well. So asking about meal preparation, things like that, kind of how it's going now and then how it was going um, before his fall and before the surgery. Yeah. And I think too, like with that meal prep, something I just thought of, you know, it was, you know, were they making like an extensive meal um, or were like, is meal prep to them, you know, toast or, uh, you know, grabbing yogurt out of the fridge and stuff like that too. Right. And kind of comparing like those specific tasks of, you know, getting that full picture of how they were living prior and comparing that to now. Um, And then Tiffany, what would you say would be a good like long-term functional goal uh, for Mr. Smith? For him, I would definitely make a long-term goal of like over maybe 300 feet um, with the use of a straight cane independently or modified independently um, just because of that active lifestyle that he was having prior to the injury. 
Um, and then definitely, you know, walking on uneven and even surfaces. So looking at his balance, making a balance goal, maybe of like, um, normal or good balance when walking on uneven and even surfaces to assist with care of his farm animals. Yeah, absolutely. And, and another thing too, like as we're entering weather and winter here and possible, you know, snowstorm, you know, asking, you know, it, like you said, if the device changed at various times. So like if it was winter, did he use something else or was the cane sufficient? And then I always try to educate, you know, if you're not moving as well, you, you know, when winter comes along and you do have, you know, conditions that you have to be aware of um, just to be extra cautious with that. So, but yeah, that sounds appropriate. And I would say too, like, it's going to be something that he wants to get back to as he's really driven and, you know, um, no indications that he's planning on retiring anytime soon. So making towards where including those patient um, center goals are really important. Um, Annika, what would you say would be a good um, OT long-term goal for him? Sure. Um, I think a big one would be showering. So getting some transfer venture, a shower chair. Um, short-term goal could be like uh, family support, but since he was independent before, I think a long-term goal could be getting him back to being independent with the shower. Um, and then another one I thought of too would be lower body dressing and then introducing some assistive devices. So like a reacher or sock aid or long-handled shoehorn. That way the wife um, doesn't have to help him get dressed. Yeah. And I think too, um, you know, with the shoes and that, you know, what kind of shoes was he wearing outside versus inside? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if he's wearing slippers in the house, he might be able to get those on sooner than if he was wearing like steel toe boots outside. And so, um, you know, really interviewing and, and having that evolving plan with them and thoroughly documenting, you know, that prior level of function in there to include those specific things. Um, so I think that all sounds good. And then what would you say, um, Tiffany, for frequency for this gentleman? What would you like to start off seeing him? Um, I would definitely say twice a week, um, just because or twice a week, I would say for at least a month and then reassess. Um, just because, you know, we want to get him as, you know, better as quickly as possible. Absolutely. And then what would you say, Annika, for OT? Mm-hmm. I would do twice a week for two weeks and then once a week for two weeks. So kind of do a lot of the uh, education and things right off the bat and then drop down with the frequency um, after he kind of gets the hang of things. Yeah. And I would say, you know, both of those sound appropriate and to, you know, having that ability to reassess and letting him know, okay, if you go back to the ortho and you get advanced to 50% weight bearing or weight bearing is tolerated, you know, that we update that plan of care and update those goals and interventions appropriately. Um, that sounds awesome. Okay. Um, I, I loved that. Thank you guys for that feedback. And again, you know, that prior level of function should again, indicate how is that patient performing prior to the most recent incident, uh, speaking to their baseline, how they're currently performing, and then utilizing those long-term, long-term goals to move that patient from baseline to prior level. Um, so patient number two or B um, that we're going to talk about is Mr. Johnson. So similar in some ways, but very different in others. So Mr. Johnson is also a 70-year-old male. Um, he actually retired from farming about two years ago. And now he lives in a memory support unit um, all within that time frame before he moved, his spouse passed away and he also had a stroke um, that affected his cognition. 
Um, he also had a fall out of bed about two weeks ago and fractured his left hip and then again went to the hospital and had an ORIF. So same age. Um, I mean, two years ago, their prior level of function was probably pretty similar. But, you know, with his changes, he has been in this memory support assisted living and um, he also uh, refused to go to skilled nursing and wanted to come back to his assisted living. So they're wanting us out there right away, of course. And then when we ask um, Mr. Johnson about his prior level, um, he says, I still go out and farm. I have horses and chickens that I tend to every day. Um, so in that different scenario with somebody who doesn't have um, intact cognition, how would you obtain prior level of function, Tiffany? Maybe we lost Tiffany. Uh-oh. Annika, do you want to jump in quick and say, um, how, how would you obtain prior level of function with this individual? Sure. Um, so with somebody that has kind of a cognitive deficit, the first thing I would do is go to the staff um, and ask how he was doing before this recent episode. If he also has a POA or family, I think that would be a good point of contact as well. Mm -hmm. uh, provide some other other information. Yeah. Um, so what staff let us know is prior to this fall, he was menaced from transferring from his bed to his scooter. Um, which that scooter um, was his primary method to get around that assisted living um, safely for the past two years. And he has severe arthritis at baseline. Um, and other than taking a few steps during that transfer process, he has not really been ambulating um, for the past couple of years since he's been there. Again, due to that arthritis at baseline. Um, staff also let us know, too, that he'd had a UTI before he fell. He's been more confused, um, but it is improving, but he's not back to that baseline of his cognition. Um, and then they let us know, too, that prior to this, they were providing about menaces for lower body dressing, supervision for upper body, brushing teeth and shaving and that. And then, um, you know, asking specifically, like we talked about earlier on um you know, bathing. And so they had told us he's using a whirlpool bath with staff. Um, but once they got him in and, you know, got the water in that he was able to do most of the bathing with cues. Um, so uh, what you observe now is um, he's modest for those transfers, um, maybe even more at time is verbalizing pain to us. Um, definitely not able to maintain his weight bearing status, which is toe touch weight bearing. And staff is now providing max assist to dependent for all ADLs. Um, is there um, any other methods that you would uh, look to besides talking to staff or um, um, POA or family about that prior level, Annika? Yeah, I think uh, just coordinating with nursing, PT, anybody else on the team that's in to see if they have any more information. Yeah. And two, you know, you know, with, with somebody who has cognitive delays, you know, they might have more, you know, they might be more alert or more able to provide information um, accurately, like in the morning versus the afternoon mm -hmm. and, and stuff like that too. So like you said, um, speaking to other disciplines might have given us a different picture as to what's going on with this individual. Um, 
and, you know, really being an investigator. We talked about that a lot in our first podcast, but just being an investigator and um, tying that all in. Um, Tiffany, are you back with us? Uh, can you guys hear me now? Yep, I can hear you. Hey, okay. sorry about that, guys. A little technical difficulty. <laughs> That's okay. Um, so we were yeah, just talking about Mr. Johnson and um, and prior levels. We've kind of spoke on that. Um, and then, um, Annika, you mentioned earlier, too, at that prior level, like going through ADL and that self-care section and, and each individual item um, and, and really speaking to those specific items versus generalizing and saying, you know, menaces for everything. You know, he might have been supervisioned independent with some things and then some things required more assist. Um, so I love that thought process in obtaining that prior level. Um, Tiffany, what would you say for uh, a functional goal for PT for him? Functional goal for him, I would definitely do um, like menaces with transfers to his scooter. Um, just because that was, I mean, the staff did have to assist him, whether it be physically or just with queuing. I think that menaces would be most appropriate for him. Awesome. And then what about for OT, Annika? Get him back to where he was at baseline. So min A for lower body dressing, set up or supervision for upper body, and also probably set up or supervision for baking. And then yeah. depending on what Yeah, and and when we talked about frequency earlier on that gentleman, um, PT, I know Tiffany, you said like two times a week for maybe three to four weeks, and then you know one time a week for reassessment. Um, probably tapering down sooner um, than Mr. Smith with those cognitive delays. Um, yeah. And then Annika, you mentioned uh, like two times a week for two weeks, then one time a week for two weeks. And again, you know, knowing that that could change based on his wavering status, you know, how well that's healing um, and all of those factors. And I think another um, good thing that we talked about before jumping on here was um, with everything that he's gone through in the past couple of years, you know, losing a spouse, having a stroke, moving to a new environment, um, you know, is, is he having any depression? I would say that would be uh, pretty normal for somebody to be depressed after all of those changes. And so, um, you know, finding out, is, is he having depression? Um, is he on medication for that? Um, is that UTI fully resolved or is that, you know, still present possibly and, and um, creating issues for his cognition? Um, and then Annika, you mentioned too, like performing a cognitive screen mm -hmm. uh, at the evaluation and being able to follow up on that down the road too. Because um, we talked about too with like that depression, if he's been having that, like that could be affecting, you know, his prior level um, and his baseline. And so, you know, working on some of those things might, you know, help him be able to achieve more and um, give him that better quality of life. Mm -hmm. So again, what we've touched on in the past too, is that prior level of function. So of uh, figuring out how has that patient been performing prior to the most recent incident? Um, and our examples today being that fall that created the hip fracture. Um, and their prior level was very different for both of these gentlemen. Um, and then also baseline is, is pretty different as well. And then what our expectations are for this patient to improve. So those goals are going to look very different. 
So even though both of these gentlemen are the same age, have the same mechanism of injury, um, and a lot of similar factors, a lot of those components that build that prior level of function in this plan of care are very different. Um, and again, like at the end of the day, I like to know what the take home message is and, and why is this important to us as field clinicians um, and, and knowing Two, we're creating better outcomes for our patient, um, their participation and buy-in to our treatment when we're, you know, being more thorough and really working on those patient-centered goals and um, providing the level of care they need helps significantly creating that clear picture of that prior level, current level, that realistic and realistic expectation for those goals and so that we can tie in those interventions to that plan um, and then bottom line too, like Medicare, um, we're at risk for denials if we're not providing that information, if we don't have enough information for prior level of function. And that's usually the biggest error is there's simply not enough information or it's very generic. Um, and realizing that each visit really is a standalone visit and should all tie in. Um, and then with PDGM and stuff too, you know, we're being given less visits with each patient. And so really making sure those sessions are, you know, focused on that quality um, and time spent together um, and making sure that our documentation clearly supports um, all of that working together. So any other thoughts that um, you two want to add in or, or anything else that you guys kind of learned or got from the experience? I think that this was really informative and I think that it will help kind of us clinicians make our notes a little bit more skilled and uh, avoid those denials. Awesome. I definitely agree. I think it's just a great reminder um, to be a little bit more specific. And I think it helps um, helps us create our goals when we know exactly what their prior level of function was very specifically, and then just making meaningful and tailored goals um, to increase, you know, motivation. And participation. Yeah, definitely. And to just you know, knowing what all goes into it and what like ex expectations are, mm -hmm. you know, from Medicare and those care sources so that we are asking those questions and seeking that information out. And I mean, also that um, we're less likely to get that note kicked back to us from QA, right? Mm -hmm. And then have to spend that additional time um, adding to the note and that kind of stuff, which could potentially result in that patient not being seen as quickly again as we'd want them to be. So um, very realistic, world real <laughs> applications for sure. But I know you guys are busy and have patients to get to. So again, thank you so much for taking time out of your day and um, drive safe. And we'll Thanks. talk to everybody later. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs>